Knowledge is power, and we are all about empowering the mamas of the world. In each episode, we will unravel and interpret the latest research and evidence-based practices for pregnancy, postpartum, and motherhood. As mums and researchers ourselves, we have experienced firsthand the overwhelming complexity of information, myths, and those classic old wives' tales. I'm Dr. Renee White. And I'm Dr. Mika Petrucci. And, and this, this is The Science of Motherhood. Hello and welcome to episode 27 of The Science of Motherhood. I'm your co-host, Dr. Renee White, one half of the mother-loving postpartum doula business here in Hobart, Tasmania. We also have our practice in Melbourne, Victoria, Australia as well, where we do some beautiful in-home care for newborn mothers and provide some really nourishing and lush meals. Oh, what a great episode. I have got a fantastic guest for you, Catherine Buckwe, who is otherwise known as Fit Nest mama. We joke about fitness mama. She's some, she thinks that she might have to rebrand because she, she thinks that people keep saying fitness with two S's instead of fitness mama. Well, she's a proud mama of three and a perinatal physiotherapist and also podcast host. She has over 16 years of professional experience guiding mamas through their pregnancy, fitness journeys, postnatal rehab, but she specializes in pelvic floor rehabilitation, which is where we go into a serious deep dive because this word pelvic floor, like look after your pelvic floor and make sure that you're, you know, you sort out your pelvic floor after or before or during pregnancy. It gets thrown around so much, but I wanted to sit down with Kath and actually work out what are we talking about? What is the pelvic floor? How do we look after it and why should we be looking after it and who is going to help us support us with that? Now, obviously, she is a specialist in that area, so her expertise is bang on for that. We talk about the physiology around what your body goes through in those nine odd months when you're pregnant and what's happening to your pelvic floor. She goes into detail around, you know, when you should seek help from a pelvic floor specialist and what you should anticipate in an exam because I know, particularly for myself, I put it off for so long because I thought, oh, my God, I don't need another person like poking and prodding down there. What does this actually involve? And so I put it off. And I know a lot of other women put it off, similar to how people put off pap smears as well. But I can assure you that it is not as bad as what <laughs> what you've got conceived in your head. So you are better off getting an exam, making sure that things are okay, or if they're not just going to see what it is that you can do to support yourself because it is not normal, ladies, to be coughing and then urinating or just laughing or not being able to run again after your pregnancy. So Kath brings a wealth of knowledge to this subject area and she also talks about movements and things that you can be doing to kind of boost your birth recovery as well, which I felt really, really valuable and how to return to exercise after having a baby, which is so, so valuable. Movement after pregnancy is just, it's great therapy. So I hope you enjoy this episode and you find it extremely valuable. I did. I thought it was um, very enlightening. Some of the things that she was telling us kind of blew my mind some of the facts. So enjoy this episode with Kath from Fitness Mama. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Kath from Fitness Mama, how are you? Oh, thanks Renee for having me. Yes, it's great to chat. Love, yeah, love having the opportunity to chat to you today. So thank you. My pleasure, my pleasure. So as everyone would have heard from the introduction, Kath is a perinatal physiotherapist and also a podcast host, which we've just been talking about (laughs) offline. And with nearly a 
two decades of experience in the field. Oh, <laughs> I'm not trying to make you feel cringe. old. <laughs> What I'm trying to say is this girl knows her thing. (laughs) And so we're going to talk today about obviously pregnancy and postpartum and how important it is for women to feel strong and healthy with their pelvic floor. And Kath's going to walk us through a few things. I've got, I really want to get into like the nitty gritties of like pelvic floor physio because a I feel like people kind of throw that kind of terminology around. But what is actually going on? Why do we need it? Why is it so important? So let's just dive straight in. So mamas, they've been pregnant for about nine, ten months. Are you able to walk us through what are the physiological changes of a woman's body during this time and obviously particularly her pelvis and her pelvic floor. And I want to create a context around, because I don't think a lot of people appreciate what is actually happening Mm. there. Such a good question, Renee, because you're right. Pelvic floor suddenly becomes a bit of a buzzword. You're pregnant. Mm. Everyone's like, oh, are you doing your Kegels? Like, have you done your pelvic floor? (laughs) You got to get your pelvic floor strong. So why does it become a bit of a thing? So a good question. And I think the primarily... There's two things here, but primarily the reason why we want to become acquainted with this part of the body is because women, as a result of pregnancy and childbirth, there is a big spike in terms of your risk for pelvic health issues. So what that means is that you're at risk of leaking, so incontinence of urine, feces or wind, that's the involuntary leaking, so unable to hold in wee. So weeing when you cough or weeing when you're laughing or when you're picking up your baby, that sort of thing. Women are at an increased risk of pelvic organ prolapse, so that might be felt, it might be a really subtle symptom. It might be felt like a vaginal bulge or lump or a pelvic heaviness, dragging sensation. Like I had this for a few weeks after my first baby and it felt like I had a ton of bricks sitting on top of my pelvic floor. I get just, mm-hmm. I said to my husband, I said, I feel like everything's going to fall out. Now it wasn't, it was all inside my body, but I just had yeah. that sensation of dragging. And it, sometimes it's a, even a prolapse symptom might even be more subtle. Like sometimes women have said to me, it feels like there's a tampon stuck mm-hmm. when I don't have a tampon inside. Mm-hmm. So they're the prolapse symptoms. I know that is a really scary word. So don't go Googling it because it, it it's, I guess that's why it's great to talk today because it's, there's a certain amount of movement that happens within our pelvis and I'm sure we're going to get all into this, but it having a prolapse isn't the worst thing that can happen. I know it can feel bad and that's why we're great. Um, it's great we're chatting today, but there's a whole range of prolapse symptoms and some might need surgery, but other stages of prolapse might be totally fine and it's pretty much symptom-free or you're able to manage it with just a few strategies. The other thing with pelvic floor issues that we we're talking about, so there's a spike with pregnancy and postpartum and then again at menopause. And then the other thing to just be aware of, if there's any issues with sexual pain, constipation, pain when having sex, Uh, pelvic pain, that sort of thing. There might also be something underlying there that's related to the muscles in the area. Mm. And I I think I want to touch on this as well. What are the normal things versus, okay, this is you need to go kind of seek some help from someone. So can you explain, you know, at what stage – do we kind of seek assistance from a pelvic floor specialist? You know, obviously you were explaining how if, you know, after childbirth there might be that bulging in the vagina. I mean, I had a cesarean and I thought I was like scot-free. I was like, oh, I don't need to see a pelvic floor therapist. I didn't I didn't push her out. I, I She came out the sunroof method. And then when I went to do some exercise, mm. when I finally felt like, and I'm talking like 12 months down the track because I was, I was just terrified, <laughs> I was like, oh, I probably should go see someone because mm. things don't feel right in that area. Yeah. And unfortunately, you're exactly right. Caesarean births aren't protective against pelvic floor issues. 
And in fact, by the time we reach menopause, so once we all reach, you know, our 50s, give or take a few years, we're all at the same risk of issues. So immediately after birth, you are perhaps more at risk if you've had a vaginal birth, but it all sort of evens out. So unfortunately, so by the time, so if we've had a baby pregnancy or childbirth, there's a risk of one in three having incontinence. This is according to Australian Continence Foundation, or one in two having some sort of prolapse. So those stats are sobering. So that's why it's so great to chat today. Wow. So I did not know that. It's And I think people don't talk about it as much as we talk about a sore shoulder or a sore neck that we've got. So it's great this dialogue's improving. So what you said, what you asked before, at what stage should we see a physio? Oh, such a good question. And I know I'm biased, but I'll talk you through what my thoughts are. Mm-hmm. So we talked about, I guess, the red flag. So if you've listened to this podcast and you, you're thinking, oh, I've got some of those symptoms, that would be, I'd definitely recommend you go and seek help because there is help available. There's so many options for treatment and management. So if you have got any of the symptoms we've talked about, definitely go and speak to someone. But this is why I developed my program is because I'm seeing there's such a huge role that preventative healthcare and being proactive in our healthcare can have on our outcome. Mm-hmm. So basic pelvic floor awareness, I wish this is something that they would actually teach all of our children at school going through adolescence. And yeah. I think just the basics, what holes do we have down there? There's three. There's a urethra, there's a vagina where the baby comes out, and then there's the anus. And how do we do a poo? Like we don't want to be straining on the toilet and we want to go and we've got the urge and relax and that sort of thing. So there's some really mm-hmm. basic stuff we can do. And then when it comes to pregnancy, I'm biased, but I think the benefit of having a pelvic floor assessment or some sort of pregnancy checkup when you're pregnant can be amazing because you can imagine if you find out, okay, oh, there's so many things to talk about, Renee. <laughs> My brain is like going in four different I've directions. thrown you in the deep end here and I'm like, swim, Kath, swim. <laughs> okay, so let's say, let's just say a woman's like listening and she's had a vaginal birth and she's feeling really weak in the area. There's amazing benefits for going to pelvic, having a pelvic floor assessment. She can learn what those muscles are. She can learn how to activate them and then learn how to get them stronger. Mm-hmm. But sometimes if you've got a lot of weakness, it can be really hard to identify where the muscles are to even begin with. Mm -hmm. And this is where I think if we can learn about our pelvic floor and become aware about our pelvic floor when they're still strong and intact and all the rest during Mm -hmm. pregnancy or whenever it is, then I really think it helps to set you up so that you've got that sensation, oh, yes, I'm, I'm doing a really good pelvic floor lift. Oh, this is what it feels like to have strong pelvic floor muscles. So that when, after you've had your baby, you've got weak pelvic floor, which if you've had a vaginal birth, you will have weak pelvic floor. That's just the nature. And then you will have that awareness and you'll think, okay, this is what I need to do. I can't do it now, but I know what I need to do. Does that make yeah, sense? 100%. It's all around education and empowerment, I think, of our own bodies. And, and you know, to me, I, I kind of think back to if you train for a marathon and so you know what that's like and then you s- sustained an injury, like a leg injury or, a, you know, had, you had to go have a knee reconstruction or something like that, you then know what it takes to get to that marathon stage again. Like, and And I kind of think that it'll be easier for your brain as well because you just got to connect those neurons again and it's about that Mm. familiarity of going Mm. okay yeah I know what it feels like to have that strength and 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 kind of power on oh no I I love that yeah yeah and you asked earlier what are the physiological changes that happen in a woman's body and I think this is really good to know because I think it just sort of brings it all together in terms of why is this impacted so much so during pregnancy you can imagine there's the weight of your baby sitting on top of your pelvic floor. So your pelvic floor muscles form a sling from the front of your pelvis to the back of the pelvis, and they surround all the openings. So you've got nine months of baby sitting on top, but it's not just your baby, it's the fluid, it's all the weight associated with that baby, which can add up up to quite a lot. Mm. Quite a few kilograms sitting. Yeah, especially on top if you were of- my baby. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, and if you imagine your pelvic floor is like a trampoline, if there's just one person sitting on the trampoline, it's not going to bow too much, stretch too much, but you can imagine if you've got a whole classroom, 20 kids on top of that trampoline, it's Mm going to have a bit of bend happening in that trampoline. So similar sort of concept. But then in addition, we've got all the hormonal changes that go with pregnancy and birth. And then once we have our baby or during labour, if you have a vaginal birth, these muscles, pelvic floor muscles, are known to stretch up to 300% their length. That's three times their length. So this is amazing. These muscles are perfectly built for the job. And if we compare that to a hamstring strain, now don't quote me on this figure, but I'm pretty sure you get a strain at about 20% its length. I think. So it's about that give or take, whereas the pelvic floor has capacity to stretch up to 300. So it, wow. it is built for the job. But you can imagine yeah. with that much stretch, and it's not just the muscles that stretched. This is where I think this, I think, is really important to notice, to know. It's not just muscles. It's the fascia and the connective tissue. Just like when you eat a piece of steak, I'm sorry if anyone's vegetarian listening, and I've said this before, so if you've heard me talking on my podcast, you've probably heard me say this, but you don't just eat the red meat of the steak, do you? There's all the white bits, the fashion, that connective tissue, the sinew, yeah. And you could be the strongest woman in the world, but if you've just had a vaginal birth, everything's stretched. And to allow that, like as you said, sinew and that connective tissue to it's like an elastic band that's become stretched. We want that yeah. natural recoil. So with that, we just we need rest. We need to let it all knit over again. So that's mm-hmm. where I think this concept of postnatal rehab is super important because that needs to include a period of rest and recovery before we get back into everything. Yeah, 100%. We like bang on so much about nutrition with our with our FYC mamas that we look after and for us it we talk about, you know, get the bone broths into you, get those slow cooked meats because they're jam packed full of collagen mm. which is aiding in that elasticity kind of rebuilding within your body. It's pelvic floor, it's your stomach, it's your breasts, it's everything kind of moving back and and healing and repairing. So yeah, that makes that makes total sense there. I, I just wanted to ask though, when you go see a therapist, so let's talk about if you were go oh, actually on that point, is there a perfect ideal time to go see them during your pregnancy? Like let's talk about ideal situation because I would imagine that as a baseline before you get pregnant, go see someone, during pregnancy, go see someone, and then after, go see someone. And should you be looking at seeing someone multiple times during your pregnancy? Are there things that you can be monitoring and and, and doing to kind of prepare yourself for for birth and postpartum? Yeah, great question. Look, I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all approach, but with pregnancy, I personally, being pelvic floor physio, and I I think there is some variation, but I personally don't do an internal pelvic floor assessment on anyone in their first trimester Mm -hmm. or their last last month, last four weeks of pregnancy, just because, you know, last, last four weeks, you're probably not really feeling comfortable lying down and it's just, and they do say that, I don't know, it's just a thought. We don't want them to go into labour straight after a pelvic floor assessment, not that there's any evidence for that, but we just err on the side of caution. So the second trimester is perfect or early third trimester. And depending on why they come and see me, like I see women during pregnancy with aches and pains, like pelvic girdle pain is unfortunately really common, the back pain. So I see women with pain issues. But if it's for the pelvic floor side of things, we in one assessment, we can definitely give them an amazing baseline. We can talk about their goals, their their recovery, how to help aid their recovery mm-hmm. and give them an individualised treatment plan. So depending on it depends on how how long they've got to go there's a whole topic of perineal massage which I don't know if we've got time to talk about but perineal massage can also be amazing to learn during pregnancy because that has been found to increase your risk of perineal tears the larger perineal tears and episiotomy in first-time mums a decrease your risk 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's been some nice research to show it can reduce your risk of third and fourth degree perineal tears. So they're the larger perineal tears and the mm-hmm. episiotomy. So Amazing. I think it can be a really great tool to add to your toolkit. Yeah. And also just becoming familiar with your body as well. Mm. I think going full circle back to that education piece for, you know, kids, it's just like learn what your body is love it for what it is and, you know, then you're a bit more in tune with it. I did a podcast episode with Jan Ireland who is and has been a midwife for (laughs) over 40 years and I was asking her, you know, what is it that, what advice would you give to mothers, pregnant mamas? And she said, strip your clothes off, stand in front of the mirror daily and get really comfortable with your body. Know every bump and curve and muscle and bone and just just like soak it all up because once you are in that zone of this is my body, I'm very comfortable with it. She said, I just find that women who do that are just more in tune and when they get to that birthing stage and postpartum they have full awareness and knowledge of this is this is not right or this this doesn't feel good to me and you know that's when we can action a change so mm, yeah that's kind of that. yeah yeah it's the only episode that's ever made me cry when I interviewed her. so yeah you can all tune into that and hear me have a bit of a <laughs> <laughs> a bit of a teary. Uh, um, can I take that one step for further? Yeah, <laughs> so sure. not only stand in front of a mirror naked, but I encourage, like this is what I teach inside my membership, is to teach women how, like when perineal massage is one aspect and that's mm-hmm. one potential way of helping to prepare your perineum for birth but another way and I'm holding up a perineum here so it's sad that this is a podcast because well we might get this on the video part (laughs) yeah okay so there you go so we've got your vagina at the top you've got your you've got your urethra your vagina and your anus and your perineum is that patch of skin and tissue that sits between the vagina and the anus and this is the patch that is more susceptible to tears. And there is so much power in putting your finger on your perineum so it's not inside a hole. You can do it through your undies if you want or whatever it is and feeling the difference between a pelvic floor lift and Mm -hmm. a pelvic floor relax. Just like if you were to put your finger on your biceps, if you were to Mm -hmm. lift up a weight, you would feel that muscle tense up and Mm -hmm. firm up under your finger. And then if you were to relax your arm, you would have a soft, spongy sensation under your finger. Same with the perineum. If you were to put your finger on your perineum and you feel a pelvic floor lift, hopefully you'll feel it draw up but also become firmer. And then when you relax your pelvic floor, you'll feel it go softer. Mm-hmm. And what do we want it to be when we're having a baby? Do you want it to be firm or do you want it to be soft and malleable and stretchy? I'm going to vote for soft. (laughs) Exactly. So that awareness of that pelvic floor muscle tension, like you don't have to have a full pelvic floor assessment, but that might be all you. It's an amazing first step if you're pregnant to become acquainted Mm. with your pelvic floor. Yeah, 100%. Okay. So on that point, what actually happens in exam? Because I know and we touched on this earlier offline, I feel like when you say to people, I really think, like I personally think that every woman should be entitled to a pelvic floor assessment during pregnancy and postpartum, but I know there are a lot of people who freak out because, one, they don't know what's involved and, two, they're probably scared about What's going to happen next? They're like, oh, no, I know there's something not right there, so we're just we're just not going to do anything about it. And it's almost akin to like a pap smear. People are like, oh, people are going down there and I'm not really ready for that and whatever. So mm. let's talk about what actually happens during this exam. Okay. Well, the first thing is nothing happens that you don't want it to happen. So yeah. you can go see a pelvic floor physio and not have a pelvic internal pelvic floor assessment. There's like, as we've just been talking about, there's so much 
else that we can help you with. So there's different levels. There's there's online telehealth or my program, like that provides us that can be amazing. And I have personally, I would have, if you if I'd spoken to you three years ago, I would have said, there's no way I can do my job just with online telehealth. Mm-hmm. But having since have been I've been doing online telehealth because of all the, you know, the fabulous things that's been happening in the world, mm-hmm. there's there's a huge benefit to online telehealth. So and I think that power of teaching women to assess herself effectively mm-hmm. can can just make a world of difference. So there's so many benefits to an online telehealth. So you don't, so if you're listening, you're like, oh, I really don't want a vaginal examination. Like you don't have to have a vaginal examination. You can still go and see a physio face-to-face and you're quite mm-hmm. entitled to say, no, I don't want one. Mm-hmm. Or you could also choose a telehealth if you live rurally or regionally. Like, unfortunately, we don't all have access to physios. So if you were to go and see a physio face-to-face, we sit down and we always have a big chat first. So I find out what any concerns are, what any problems are. We talk about their goals, what do they want to get back into doing, because that really does help to shape an assessment. Mm-hmm. So then there's a, a physical, so that's the subjective assessment, what we just spoke about. And then we go into what we call the physical assessment. So that will include, it, it depends on what we've talked about. If you've got concerns about abdominal muscle separation, we'll check out your abdominals and your core control and all those sorts of things. If it's a pelvic floor assessment, that might include a vaginal examination. If mm. you're postpartum, we could also, if you didn't want a vaginal examination, there's the option of a real-time ultrasound machine. So that's just where it's like a normal ultrasound that they look at the baby with, but we angle it towards your pelvic floor muscles. Mm. So it's it's not a it's not as in depth as a internal mm-hmm. because on the machine you can you can see the muscles zipping up and activating and you can see them relaxing. It doesn't mm. give us an idea of their strength. We can't do a prolapse assessment, we can't look at muscle tone, that sort of thing. But it does yeah. give us a good little overview if you're getting a pelvic floor lift and if they're relaxing and we don't tend to do use ultrasound if you're pregnant as well so that's just if you're postpartum okay so then if it is if you do opt for an internal vaginal examination this is the most thorough and this is where we can assess all the different muscle elements like your coordination your slow twitch muscle fibers so the endurance holds the strength holds we can look at the left versus right tone prolapse so it is definitely a more in-depth and that would involve gloved finger being inserted mm-hmm. into vagina and then you're asked to zip up the muscles and relax and it's I always have people saying afterwards oh, I thought it would be like a pap smear, but this is so much better. Like it's so much more gentle. Like that was so much better than I thought it would be. So I've never, everyone that has it, that's a bit apprehensive and I can totally understand that. We had to, when we did our training, so not all physios, pelvic floor physios, you've got to go back to uni for postgraduate training. And we yes, had it's to, actually very important to note, Kath, because <laughs> there are some people yeah. like moonlighting around there and I'm like, no, 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 yeah. no, no. <laughs> and we had to assess ourselves, like uh, our colleagues. We were sitting next to our colleagues who were doing the course as well and you know, I had to lie down and have a vaginal examination from someone I had lunch with. So <laughs> I know exactly what it feels like in terms of, like, I think it's actually really good because it helps us really understand what you're going through when you're having yeah. a vaginal examination. So we're all, we all totally understand it can be a bit disconcerting, but um, yeah, it's, it's a very gentle, no, no pain, no discomfort and yeah. very quick I can definitely well. attest to it, yeah, because I was, I was one of those people who I was like, oh, God, do I really have to do this? And then when I was there, I was like, oh, is that it? Are we done? And she's like, yep, that's it. And I was like, okay. I'm quite embarrassed that I've let that slide for so long now. <laughs> but yeah, it was quite, it was, it was fine. And so are there certain things that we should anticipate from one of those assessments, you know, a program and 
are there things in which women can boost their birth recovery that, you know, or alleviate or accelerate or, you know, what are the types of things that we kind of should be walking away from one of those kind of um, appointments with? Yeah, well, you should hopefully have a clear plan and know what's in store for you. Like what, what do you need to do? Like what what you, what's your homework? Like what what's going to help you achieve your goals? So that will be different for everyone. Um, I've done quite a few podcast episodes on how to help boost your afterbirth recovery because mm-hmm. there's a lot that you can do in those first zero to six weeks Mm-hmm. And we often don't see women till six weeks postpartum for a pelvic yeah. floor assessment. So um, check out the Fitness Mama podcast because there are quite a few episodes, but there's heaps that these appointments are never long enough, mm-hmm. can I just say, <laughs> because there's yep. always so much to talk about and too little time. So, But there, there is a lot that you can do to help your physical recovery and we sort of touched a lot on it. And that might include rest, horizontal rest, icing. Like there, there's so much. We could talk about it for an hour. Oh, well, we might leave that for another episode. Or everyone just flick over to Kath's podcast. That all sounds really good. But I, I think that's important to note, though, the fact that the few things that you said was rest, icing and just like taking it easy I think mm-hmm. a lot of people think oh I've got to get going again it's like no just mm. slow down and I yeah. think it it kind of goes back to you know the postpartum kind of theories and what traditional cultures did and those first 40 days post-birth yeah are so important. Like I cannot emphasize enough how important they are because, you know, they just impact you for some people say the next 40 years. And I think that that's right because we've already touched on the fact that the effects that you have in your postpartum can then snowball into menopause if you're not looking Mm -hmm. after yourself correctly. So look, if I like to think about the sports people out there. So if you were a professional footballer and you had a knee reconstruction, then if you had to have surgery, if you went straight back to doing what you were normally doing, you'd wreck the surgery. So that period of rest and recovery is really is a really important part of that rehab plan. Just like women, after we've had a baby, I'd argue that that's more impactful on the body than any sports injury. I know I'm biased, but yeah, I really do think if we can get that notion that we need to rehabilitate our body and that includes rest and recovery. Unfortunately, two weeks postpartum, often like if we're, if our partner, if you've got a partner and they've been lucky enough to have parental leave, like unfortunately that usually only got, lasts for a couple of weeks. So then at two weeks after birth, you might be, you know, doing this childcare drop-off, going to the supermarket, pushing a trolley. Like there's that notion of rest, as you said, um, like when we think about the village, mm-hmm. all that time ago and the woman's only job was to stay in her hut, feed her baby. She got all her meals delivered to her. That notion of rest and recovery is amazing. And unfortunately in our society we just don't have that so that's I guess that's why this podcast is so important because we're pre-arming you know that information can just be so powerful because it might even just help you to think okay what are some strategies I can put into place to help my recovery and we talked about how the pelvic floor stretches so much and we want that natural recoil like an elastic band we want that natural recoil of your pelvic floor of your abdominals of all as you said all that connective tissue, all those beautiful things. We want that recovery to occur. So that's where that six-week mark is super important. I've got a couple of other questions. I probably I'm going to put them into a bit of a rapid fire if that's okay with you. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Why does everyone freak out when I say that? Go for it. (laughs) Okay. Because I feel like these are important, but they don't, they don't, I don't think they require like a super long answer. Okay. Okay. First off, Kath, so you've obviously been in the industry for a lot longer before you had children. 
what what did you experience in pregnancy and post-birth? Like were you able to reassess and adapt your own practices? Did you have that light bulb moment where you're like, holy moly, why was I saying that in my practice? Or I've just learned X and so I'm going to I'm gonna flick that into my practice. I'd love to know that before and after mum, Kath. <sighs> Renee, <laughs> great question. So I have always loved women's health, right? From a student, I was in my 20s, I was doing those women's health clinics. You know, I, I soon discovered I did some football field work in my uni days where sports trainer, you know, where you tape ankles and massage yeah. hamstrings. I soon realised that massaging sweaty hamstrings on the football field was not my thing. I, I just just Not your jam, Kath? Oh. Not your jam? <laughs> I'm like, oh, I've got a sore shoulder. Fix me now. Anyway, I... I've always worked at a women's health clinic right I knew it all. Like I was thinking I've worked in, with pregnant women, like I've done Pilates, I've helped. So I, I went, I was totally naive. I, I felt I'd had a good pregnancy. I felt strong, um, no issues whatsoever my first pregnancy. My second was another story, but my first pregnancy was great. So when I arrived back home and, as I said before, I had those prolapse symptoms, I felt so weak, like I remember going to my six-week doctor's check. They're like, yeah, you're recovering really well. You know, you can get back to running when you're ready. And I remember thinking, I I feel so weak. Like, I, how can I get back to running? Like, what do you mean? Like, so I that was a huge wake-up call. And that drove me to then specialise in pelvic floor rehab. That drove me to develop my program that I've got for exercising during pregnancy and postpartum because I realised that power of being pre-warned and pre-armed with knowledge is so important. And for my third baby, I had a very different approach to my afterbirth recovery and my pregnancy. I think it was all all very different, but I really honoured those six weeks and I took ages to get back into, you know, I did my short little walks and I just built it up really carefully and systematically. And I have to say wholeheartedly that that was my best recovery of all three children it was my third pregnancy when I had done the due diligence during the pregnancy and afterwards. The recovery took a lot longer, but it was my yeah. best recovery. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally, totally. And the fact that it was your third as well, like uh, I think some people would go, oh, hold on a minute, like wouldn't there be more kind of stretching and more damage mm. in quotation marks and things like that? But, yeah, the fact that you're armed with that knowledge and you were like, no, nah, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this properly. And... Great point. It takes time. Mm. Like it takes time. You can't just like throw yourself back in there. I mean, can you imagine taking that doctor's word and going, oh, cool, I'll go for a run then. <laughs> like <laughs> I'm sorry, I have to laugh because otherwise I will cry. Mm. Like the the misinformation that we get from people and just that like offhanded, oh, off you go, off you go, you're fine, yep. you're fine. I just. Yeah, anyway, I'll get off my soapbox one day. <laughs> Next question. So we've touched on telehealth. Is pelvic floor physios fall under like a Medicare rebate? What's the affordability for people, like the accessibility for, for people? Because I want everyone, I yeah. want every woman to be assessed. But how, how realistic is that for all shapes and like of the economy? Some countries in the world are getting much better at this and all women are eligible to a pelvic floor assessment at that six-week mark. Unfortunately, Australia is not there yet. Why? (laughs) Yeah, good question. So if there are issues or if you've got concerns, you can have a chat to your GP and get referred to your local continence clinic. It's usually, yeah, there's quite a few continence clinics around, but unfortunately, depending on where you live, those wait times can be up to 
10 months, 12 months, because they're not, con- yeah, it's it can be huge. But have a chat to your GP. Yeah. Um, otherwise, there's private health insurance covers it. So if you've got extras with your private health insurance, that will help with the rebate. But if you don't have extras and you need to be seen sooner rather than later, you can have a chat to your GP and ask them if you are eligible for what we call the chronic disease management plan or it used to be called the enhanced primary care package. So if if you've had a condition for longer than six months, in Medicare's eyes, it's considered longer than if it's longer than six months, it's considered chronic. So you might be eligible. So it's something you need to have a chat to your GP about because they'd have to make the referral if you're if you're appropriate for it. They would make the re- referral to your physio and then you get at the moment $55.10 back from the appointment. So it's not fully funded, but it's a rebate of $55.10. Okay, so ladies, get your pens out, write that down, and if your GP kicks up a fuss, get pushy. And you can also (laughs) call up your private health insurance and ask them how much the rebate is too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, fantastic. I want to talk to you very quickly about the mesh. The mesh. I know that there's like some crazy lawsuit class action. I don't know whether that's been finalised or not. But can we just talk briefly because I was – I can't even remember who I was talking to and I would never mention their name (laughs) on a podcast, but someone was saying to me that they had issues and they had been seeing a pelvic floor physio and there was a mention of you could get surgery and get the mesh inserted. And my instant reaction was do not do that. Let's can we talk briefly about that, Kath? Because I think it's important. Because I feel like some people are trying to use that as a bit of a a Band-Aid, and mm. quite possibly that's not the way we should be going. Look, I, I won't talk specifically about that situation. I do know some surgeries have been banned in Australia and there are, there are still some surgeries available that can have great success. So this is something you need to have a chat to your gynecologist about and if you're not happy with that, get a second opinion as well. So go and have a chat to two or three, like until you feel comfortable with what your options are. I will mention, though, that even if you need to go down the route of surgery, having that conservative management can be still so beneficial. So before surgery, making sure, I guess, all your muscles are as strong as they can be. You know, we chat about bowels and making sure they're like it's all working as a whole. So there's a lot of different conservative management. There's potential use of pessaries. So this might help with not needing surgery or it might help with the outcome of the surgery. And there has been some thought whether or not prehab, so, you know, getting your muscles stronger before surgery can help with the long-term outcome of surgery. So either way, I think they're they're both important in their own right. It's not that we'd have one over the other. It totally depends on the woman's situation. So that's just something yeah. to have a chat to both your physio, pelvic floor physio about, and your doctors. Okay, cool, awesome. Thanks for that. Um, all right, we're in the final. We're in the final throws. Top tips for birthing mothers. Your top tip. What is it? Something that you just like? You have to know this. Okay, so I have got a free workshop for that we do talk about this and it's a 45-minute workshop, so I'll try to keep it to two, two minutes. <laughs> In terms of pelvic floor, there are ways to prepare your pelvic floor for birth and recovery. So my top tips would let's become acquainted with your pelvic floor, awareness of the muscle tension, how to lift it, how to relax it, become learn about perineal massage if this is for you. And, and I... And I, th- I really do think that this can also help with actual birth. So active birth techniques, knowing how to push, so how to relax and the pushing techniques versus zipping up and being, you know, drawing in everything because we're so tight and anxious. So there's a lot that we can talk about in terms of the physical preparation for birth. I'm no midwife, but I teach this sort of stuff from a pelvic floor perspective and like a muscle yeah, that muscle and physical perspective. Does that make sense? And then my final tip for all pregnant women who are about 
to have a baby, just learn the key things that you can do in those first zero to two weeks postpartum to really help with your recovery. Some of like we talked about quite a lot today in terms of rest and the icing and the horizontal rest and just building up the walking gradually. But yeah, I think that feeling empowered in that before you're actually in the thick of it, because we all know mm. once you have your baby, you're going to be learning how to breastfeed. You're going to be sleep deprived. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to be you're on the forefront. You're going to be eating toast crusts. No, no, we do not want that for anyone. <laughs> so yeah, learning about that while you're still pregnant can really help with your recovery. Okay. Amazing. What was your go-to resource for when you were pregnant? Did you have a favourite book or a podcast or was there something that you were like, oh, this was great, or a class that you did or anything like that? So, Renee, I'm a bit embarrassed to say this. My oldest is nine, ten, so no podcast, no Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) I A friend, a few friends had done calm birthing, but I I had actually been, uh, they just, they talked to me about how, like I was so naive, like my whole concept is very different. But I I know that calm birthing can be used in conjunction now, now I know this, that calm birthing and hypnobirthing and all those modalities can be used in conjunction with whether or not you have pain, uh, pain relief, or whether or not you have a cesarean birth. At the time, I think things have developed a lot. But at the time, I just thought it was learning a few breathing techniques. Yeah. <laughs> learning how to relax. Yep. And I thought, I can relax. I don't need to know how to relax. <laughs> you sound exactly like me. <laughs> so I, was, I was ill prepared, ill yes, prepared. And I did so much more subsequent births to prepare myself and equip myself. And hence, I had a lot nicer experiences, yes, yeah, second, third time around. Awesome. I was so glad to hear that other people were just like, I got this. And then I was like, I don't got this. (laughs) Our final question, what do you keep on your bedside table? A book. What are you reading? (laughs) Uh, I'm loving, see, when I, I've got two types of books I like to read. You know, one that's like business or, you know, about babies and work-related stuff. And then others that just are easy to read, take me into la-la land before bed. And I can't read. I've discovered relatively recently that if it's going to be a business or a work-related book, it's I've got to have it on Audible and do it okay. and listen to it while I'm doing jobs. Because if I read before I go to bed, then my mind just turns on awesome. and buzzes yeah. away. So I love a good, I'm reading Fiona McIntosh at the moment. Okay. She's got a whole series of books. Ladies, if you just want an easy read, it's a bit of a love story where, you know, it's always set around the First World War. There's this war hero who returns to, from war and it's magical yeah. love story. <laughs> it's really cor- corny, but it's based different parts of the world. Like I just love it. Fiona McIntosh, check her out. I'm, I'm going to do that because I'm, I'm the same. I've got two books on my bedside table as well and one is definitely work and the other one is that slip into someone else's reality thing where I'm just like, and I'm oh, going to sleep There's always other stuff on my bedside table. It's my four-year-old's drawings. She will, that's just her place for them. She comes home from kinder or childcare or whatever she's been doing around the house and she dumps it on my bedside table and I can't get rid of it. Like it's just, and I, had, I don't know what to do. I need some tips. What do you do with your kid's artwork? I need tips. Well, actually, and I can't remember what, I'm going to Google it actually, because there is an organization, and I think it's a guy's name, um, Kids Art Workbook, and you send them all their art, uh, all the artwork, right? And they, oh, jimmyhalfpenny.com.au. I think he was the original guy who, who started this. And it, Okay, so their tagline is, we take your child's creative artwork, craft, keepsakes, memories, and showcase them in a range of truly stunning custom-made products. And they scan them or they take a photo of them or whatever it is, and then they make it into a book instead of like, I don't know about you, but I've got like lots of Mm. crumpled scrap paper with Mm. giant big like feathers and (laughs) buttons and everything glued to them, and I'm like... This is not going to last very long. So he's a. I've seen other people do that. I don't know the pricing on it, it. but I think I'll have um, to look into it. Yeah, you'll have to look into it, and then you will 
just let go of the mum guilt when you've been at all. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time, Kath. So obviously we've mentioned your podcast. Where can everyone find you both on the website and your Instagram? Yeah, sure. So if you want access to a pelvic health checklist to check out what your pelvic health is like, head to fitnessmama.com forward slash checklist. Otherwise, pregnancy workshop, you can get all my freebies at fitnessmama.com forward slash free. And yeah, come and say hi on Instagram at fitnessmama. It's F-I-T-N-E-S-T mama. I bit, I sort of um regret the fitness mama because everyone thinks it's fitness mama i'm like no i'm not about fitness it's nest like nesting <laughs> nesting eggs nesting and- <laughs> mama come on people no, that's t- we've got it we've got it and don't worry it'll be in our show notes on our website as well and obviously in our instagram when we have your little beautiful video there but thank you so much for your time kath i really really appreciate it i've learned so much and i think this episode is going to be really valuable for people and hopefully mamas out there if there's just one mama who goes oh that didn't sound so scary i'm gonna go get my pelvic floor assessed and work out a game plan for what is going to be a better life because we don't have to be weeing ourselves after we cough or laugh or jump around or whatever it is um So thank you so much for imparting your knowledge to all of our listeners. I really, really appreciate it. It was fun. Thank you, Renee. Pleasure. Thanks. If you loved this episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave a review. If you know someone out there who would also love to listen to this episode, please hit the share button so they can benefit from it as well. Thank you for listening to The Science of Motherhood. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Science of Motherhood. If you would like to contact us, we are at ifillyourcup.com or you can DM us at ifillyourcup underscore via Instagram. You can find all of our services, including our postpartum in-home care and our Fill Your Freezer meal delivery service as well through both those channels. Thanks so much for listening.